you by longtime Patreon supporters like Greg Bench, Trey Whetstone, Amy Swan, Joel Robertson, and Kevin Corby, and new patrons like Billy D. Stick around for an extended shout out at the end. Now on to the episode. Welcome to another episode of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, the Father, aka Pastor Matt, and I am joined as always by my trusty sidekick, Jackson the Son, and welcome to episode 101, Father and Son for Dummies. <laughs> so well, and also, first of all, Jackson, thank you for the new music for the podcast. Yes, that was so much fun. That's what I spent. It took me a while to edit it, and that was, I think that was the majority of it. It wasn't editing almost, I think it actually was about two hours of footage. It wasn't editing the two hours of footage. It was deliberating on the theme song, because um, that's what's important. And, and did you play all of it? Did you write and record all yeah. of it yourself? Well, it's all it's all synth. So, yeah, it's just, okay. it's all one, one, uh one thing yeah i did it like a john carpenter composing the score for halloween but he did that in a shorter time i think <laughs> like what like three days or something yeah, like that yeah just staying up on cigarettes and and uh coca-cola and beer yeah. yeah uh so this is our annual annual horror oscar award show it is a few months late but if you've been following us online you know we've had some challenges and we've been very busy so sorry but better late than never and so the way this works is Jackson and I pick the nominees, but we do so by surveying the best of lists from sites like Bloody Disgusting, Dread Central, and Fangoria, as well as podcasts we respect like HMP and Land of the Creeps. So, and then we kick it over to our supporters over at Patreon, and they vote for the winners, right, Jackson? Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, that's it's 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 democratic on every level. Uh, because we have to narrow it down ourselves, like with the nominees, or else it would just be every movie in every category. But uh, but yeah, we try to we try to you you put your viewers out uh, this this movie going year, I think. And well, we start talking about it in January and February, but like there are a couple of movies on here that you and I just didn't even like, but. Yeah. Dread Central, Blood Disgusting, Fangoria, the, the podcast people we respect, they did, and so that's why they're in here, right? Right, yeah. All right, so that's what's going to happen. We're going to go round robin, and we will go through all of our categories. But, you know, as I said, our Patreon supporters, they're the ones who pick the winners, and one of those supporters is here to help us to proverbially hand out the trophies, and that is horror movie fanboy on Twitter, the great Brian Scott. How are you, sir? Hey, Matt and Jackson. Thank you so much for having me on. It's such an honor, especially for an episode like this that you guys chose my me to come in with my opinions. And I want to really congratulate you guys on your 100th episode. What an amazing episode, and what a great idea for it, and what a great trio of um, guests you had with Greg Amortis, um, Dr. Shock, and uh, Gil Manjol, I think it was. Um, yep. Man, those three are amazing. I love all three of those guys, and that was a great 100th episode, so congratulations, yeah, guys. thank you. Thank you. We didn't mean to slide anybody. It was just that our very first guest— uh, our first two guests were Greg Amortis and Dave, Dr. Shock Becker, and the person who has had us, Jackson and I, on their podcast the most was Gil Joel. We've been on Retro Movie Geek, what, three times now, Jackson? Yeah, and he's been on our podcast as well just as many times, I think. So. Oh, yeah, Joel, Joel's awesome. I love him. He is. We, we vox back and forth all the time. He is just a great, great <clears throat> guy. So, all right, let's get into it. So I will kick it off. And our first category is the nominees for best editing in a horror film 
from 2021. And the nominees are The Boy Behind the Door, Candyman, Fear Street, 1978, Last Night in Soho, and A Quiet Place, Part 2. And folks, this wasn't even close. The winner is Last Night in Soho, which won big on Best Editing. What do you guys think of that? Jackson, you first. What do you think? Well, I can't argue. I mean, that um, that um, I mean, the sequence that I think of when I think of editing uh, for Last Night in Soho, when and this isn't this. I found out later that this is a mix of editing and practical because they really went all out with this this film with the the set design. But um, mm-hmm. when uh, Thomas and McKenzie is interacting with Anya Taylor Joy in that first scene where they're like swapping in and out. I mean, it's just fantastic. And then, like, just the seamlessness of, of the transition between the present day and then uh, back in time, it's it's just fantastic. So, yeah, really tight. I mean, Edgar Wright always has really tight editing. Um, he's known for his quick cuts and, uh, like, montage-style sequences. But Last Night in Soho, I thought, was edited really classy. It felt like something very old Hollywood. Yeah. Brian, what about you? What are your thoughts on the editing for Last Night in Soho? I, I did vote on that movie, <clears throat> and I can't disagree with anything Jackson said. It's just it was a masterpiece of editing, and with everything he did, like he said, switching between the two characters, um, you know, you see one here, and then the other other character in the mirror behind them. Mm-hmm. So a lot of lot of little things, um, and then the back and forth to the both worlds, dimensions. I guess you know it really was seamless, like he said, and yeah. there's no complaints for me on that. You know, one note on the um, <clears throat> the nominees, I see Fear Street was in there, and yep. I really loved 1978 Fear Street. Yes. I feel like throughout these votings, all three of them are going to take votes away from each other, so I don't expect any of them to win, but maybe they will. We'll see. But I don't expect them to win because they kind of all compete against each other. But I thought 1978 was the best of the trilogy. I really, really yep. liked that one. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, but, and I liked all three, but I, I I think 1978 was easily the most fun. Yes. Especially for, you know, slasher fanatics like us three. I thought it was just a blast. And, you know, the, the first one, Fear Street 1994, yeah, it's kind of trying for a scream vibe, but it doesn't really get going to the third act. Whereas, yeah, yeah whereas Fear... The grocery know, store, yeah. Yes, and whereas Fear Street 1978. And I, I think that the third one may be the overall best in quality, but I think mm-hmm. Fear Street 78 is the most fun. Yep, well said, well said. And Candyman came into second place on this category. And yep. No, no shunning that movie, man. Wow, that movie looked fantastic. Oh. So <clears throat> I'm a big fan of that one. So I'm glad it came in second. But like you said, last night in Soho ran away with it in this category and deservingly so. Yep, agreed. So Jackson, you're a musician. You have a band. What's your band's name, by the way? Do you want to put it out there? Uh, yeah, I can. I can shout it out. My band's name is Anosmic. Anosmic. It's. It, let me spell it out for you. It's. Uh. It's very difficult. And you know how much trouble I have with my Twitter username. So this is going to be a, a challenge for me. Uh. It's A N O S I M I C. Oh, I got it wrong there. Um. But uh, yeah, it sounds nothing like any of the soundtracks that we're about to talk about. But. Uh, um. Yeah. Anosmic. Anosmic. That yeah. rolls right off the tongue. Sure does. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the origin of it. Um, uh, you know, like those commercials, the, for the, um, uh, like, is it Lysol or Febreze? I think it's Febreze about being nose blind, 
They're like, this guy's nose blind. Spray some Febreze, you know. Um, well, nose blindness is actually not being able to smell. It's called anosmia. Um, and uh, my guitarist has anosmia. He can't smell. So that's really? why the band is called anosmic. Yeah. So a and little... you've been playing gigs. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, here and there, I wouldn't. I wouldn't exactly say uh, <laughs> we're on tour, but um, yeah. So. Well, I was, hey, look, take, you know, just remember this. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and for some reason it had Dr. Drew on. Do you know who Dr. Drew is? You is he like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Drew said the band that played his high school prom was Van Halen. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, cool. And he said they sucked. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they weren't later Van Halen. It took some time. So... You know, don't 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 worry about not getting a lot of gigs right now. It takes some time. If it takes Eddie Van Halen some time, it takes some time. So tell us what the nominees are and the winner for Best Musical Score in a Horror Feature 2021. All right. The nominees for Best Musical Score in a Horror Feature are Candyman by Robert Aiki Aubrey Lowe, Halloween Kills by John Carpenter, Cody Carpenter, and Daniel Davies, Last Night in Soho by Stephen Price, and The Night House by Ben Lovett. And the winner is, and this is, I don't think this is a surprise to some people. Um, it's a surprise to me, and it shouldn't have been. Uh, <laughs> Halloween Kills by John Carpenter, Cody Carpenter, yeah. and Daniel Davies. The triumphant, the, the uh, John Carpenter, his son, and the son of Ray Davies from the Kinks. So it's a real, uh, it's not wow. really a surprise, I guess. There's some royalty. Wow. So, Brian, what do you think of the score for Halloween Kills or any of the other ones? Oh, amazing. <clears throat> and in in the comments on the Patreon page, Pearl put up a great point that it, the question, the category was worded best music score. Right. So had it been voted, had it been worded music soundtrack, she's right. Last night in Soho would have won. That was an amazing soundtrack of songs. No mm -hmm. doubt about it. But if we're going to say what's the best score, musical score, it's got to be John Carpenter's updated Halloween um, mm -hmm. music. I mean, amazing. I mean, yeah. that's, what that's what makes these movies for me is his score. So, I mean, incredible. I can't complain with this one whatsoever. I voted for it. I'm glad everybody did too. Also. Yeah, I, I can't argue. I thought it was amazing. And, and John Carpenter, man, getting more work today as a composer, you know, and musician than he is as a director. I mean, he just did. Yeah. I just watched last, last week. The new Firestarter, which yes. I thought as a movie was, I thought it was okay. I, di I didn't dislike it. It's getting a lot of hate, but I didn't dislike it. But the score is incredible, and that's John Carpenter. Yep, and we all know John Carpenter was set to, um, I believe, yeah. direct the original Firestarter. And after the big flop of The Thing, you know, that horrible movie, uh, The Thing, yeah. they kicked him off. <laughs> if only they knew now what they knew back then, they uh, embraced him to direct that movie. So it's really cool. It came full circle, and he did the Firestarter score. So good for him. Yeah, agreed. But Jackson, I know you're a big Edgar Wright fan. Do you want to defend last night? And so I know you agree with Halloween Kills. I know you're a big Carpenter fan. But any of the other scores that stand out to you, Last Night in Soho, anything? Yeah, well, I, I do agree with this. I voted for The Night House, actually, because I remember wow. being very impressed with that. I mean, sound design and soundtrack-wise, I thought that one was really good. Um, but Candyman is another one. I remember, like, the, the yeah. opening credit sequence with that music just gave me chills. 
Um, so that was really good. And I agree. Last night in Soho, it's kind of like a Reservoir Dog situation where the soundtrack is, you know, it's right. like a rework. It's it's either old recordings or just reworked songs. I know Anya Taylor Joy recorded a cover of Downtown uh, for the movie. So yeah, it's 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 yeah. more of a a soundtrack movie rather than a score. But um, was really impressed with the Nighthouse score as well as Candyman. Um, and, you know, Halloween Kills, it's just, it's that classic, uh, I can't think of anything it added, you know what I mean? Like from mm-hmm. Halloween 2018 or the original, um, but it's just, it's used very effectively. So, um, yeah. I definitely, I can't disagree. Yeah. He updated some of the, uh, some of the score from the original Halloween. And I just love how he put that into the movie. He added to it, but cut yeah. to love is the roots of the original score in there which gives such so much nostalgia and fits with the series because this is obviously a continuation from part one. Mm-hmm. So I think it picks up right where that soundtrack left off. And I agree with you. That, I mean, it was a great score. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Definitely a big dream of mine to see him live in concert. Cause he does these, like these really yeah. cool concerts where he has like clips from the movie mm-hmm. kind of backing him up. Um, so I definitely want to see that. And he's got like a rock band <laughs> and he's just up there bobbing his head playing the synthesizer. So yeah, yeah, definitely got to see that someday. Well, we will have to make that happen. So let's move on to our next category. Brian, you've got this one. Best kills in a horror feature 2021. Go for it, sir. Okay, for best kills of last year, we have five nominees. Candyman, Fear Street 1978, Halloween Kills, The Last Matinee, and Wrong Turn. And the winner goes to Halloween Kills with a landslide. And a landslide, yeah. Yes. Man, oh man. And yeah, the last matinee got a few votes. Candyman got a vote. Fear Street, you know, 1978 got a vote. I'm kind of surprised Wrong Turn didn't get a because just for the log rolling scene. I mean, but that, um, but man, I can't argue with that. Jackson, can you argue with that? I mean, Halloween Kills, the kills in Halloween Kills. Yeah. Uh, no, I can't argue with that. I mean, that kitchen scene is is absolutely oh. you know, horrifying. And I, I honestly, I'm with you on the wrong turn. I didn't vote for wrong turn. Obviously, nobody did. But uh, like that log rolling scene, and then the final scene. Yeah. Uh, that that is <laughs> just really brutal. But um, yeah, I, Candyman had some good kills too. I think, but but Halloween Kills has it. I mean, just brutally dispatching of like beloved characters that they were building up to be like franchise regulars and they're like nope never mind um just absolutely brutal yeah, no yeah. one's safe in that movie and i love that and even though Candyman was my favorite movie of 2021 i voted for halloween kills because yeah. oh my gosh yeah you're right the kitchen scene alone near the beginning but he, also the firefighter scene yep firefighters uh, and the park uh, scene the park scene yes yeah. i mean there's just one after another brian take it buddy yeah, he stages in that park scene, stages uh, the bodies, kind of like an homage to Halloween 3, Season yeah. of the Witch with the mask. I agree with you on the uh, kitchen kill scene with the uh, light bulb. That oh. was horrible. And then my two favorite characters, Big Little John. Oh, my God. I so, know. So sad. I, uh, Little John's kill was off screen. But still, man, I, didn't, I wanted them in Halloween ends. They're awesome. <laughs> I agree. And have have you seen either of you seen the alternative ending to Halloween Kills yet? No. It it, it hit HBO Max. I, or no, Peacock, one of the two. And yep. I ha- I have not. I still need to see that. I watched this movie like four times when it came out. So I was like, I need a break from it. But I, I really need to see the um, alternate ending. 
You I can do. find it on YouTube. Oh, okay. Maybe I just skipped and just don't have like a side by side, like what was different, maybe. Yeah, that's a yep. good way to look at it. They shot an alternative ending. So at the very end, I don't want to say like, you know, the crowd scene didn't happen. It's like at the very, very end, but you can go on YouTube, you can see it. And it's going to, it's the alternative ending is like 30 seconds long. And so you should definitely check I'm it gonna, out. I'm going to. And I'll give a little shout out to Last Man. They also, like you, oh. um, that kill when the two people are kissing in the theater and he sticks oh. the the poker knife straight through both of them through their mouths and I'm like man this would that movie was a great throwback to the 80s slashers yeah. in my opinion so last man they may not get mentioned it anymore in this episode I, I don't know if it will or not but I just wanted to give a shout out to it that I did enjoy that movie it is subtitled but hey it's worth a watch. So, oh, watch I completely agree. It's almost a throwback, not just to slashers, also to like 80 giallos, like opera, yes, or, yes, uh, you know, a blade in the dark or something like that. I mean, it just it, it's so much fun. I agree. I, I love that movie. And so, yeah, people should definitely check it out. I do want to mention, like, in Candyman, I still think probably the best shot of the year, and one of the reasons that. You know, I was glad to see it come into the category for best kills. The scene where, you know, he leaves the art critic and we're pulling back from her apartment. That's yeah. Amazing. And she, you kind of barely can see her get like thrown against the window. Yeah. And you oh. see the whole apartment building. Yeah. It's so subtle, but it's oh. so great. I agree. It's so amazing. Jackson, you're the aspiring filmmaker. Even you love that shot, right? Oh, yeah, I love the movie, too. Don't get me wrong. I think my words have been twisted over time uh, <laughs> and to think people thinking I'm a Candyman uh, reboot hater. But, no, I love that that shot. I love the thing. And I, I want to give a shout-out really quick. We have a write-in vote, actually, from Ian Urza. Yes. <laughs> a write-in write -in ballot for Malignant. Um, and, uh, yeah, th I mean, that was, for me, the kills in Malignant were less like you know, gory and creative and more like quick and action packed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's it's almost just as, I mean, it's like upgrade, you know, it's that kind of, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, but definitely, <laughs> definitely a brutal movie. Um, mm -hmm. but honestly the, the most, you know, disturbing part isn't the kills. It's more the body horror aspect to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I could totally see Ian Urza saying that because yeah, he's a big fan of Giallo's and I think Malignant, had a giallo feel to it also kind of like you said mm -hmm. about last matinee there was a somewhat of a giallo feel to that movie you know it was kind of a, that movie is kind of a mess of three different you know subgenres of horror but uh i can see why ian would love that movie because it, it that was such a divisive movie when that came out i don't know yes. a lot of people i mean i'm on the side of i loved it was like my number three or four mm -hmm. of last year my top 10 i liked that movie a lot so I liked it a lot too, I, you know, and, and some people accuse me of poo-pooing. I know that when you remember that moment we had Gilman Joel on and we were off air and Gilman was like, have you seen Malignant? I was like, yeah. Did you like it? I said, did you love it? He said, I was like, I liked it. And he was like, oh, you could just hear like the air yeah. go out of Gilman. I was like, and it was only because, um, I overthought it. I didn't check my brain at the door and I guessed the ending. And so if you I, guess the ending of Malignant, it's still a great movie. It's just not as much fun. Does that make sense, Brian? See, I did not guess the ending at all. I, I'm one of those people. My wife's like that. 
we watch a movie. She's got to figure it out the first five minutes. Yeah. I mean, she's the type of person that's like, look at that bad wig they're wearing. I'm like, what? Don't, don't tell me that. I didn't even notice. So, <laughs> like, when there was, I won't give it away, but the reveal in the doctor's office when the camera pans around her, I mean, that caught me by complete surprise. Ah. Uh. Well, the wig I actually didn't pick up. I was watching it. Well, I don't know if there was a wig in that movie. I'm just saying in, in I'm just saying in general, that's the type oh, of thing. Oh no, there was a wig. So, and, and okay. it was, see, I, uh, see, I can't yeah. I can never tell. You know, she she's yeah. always like, God, look at that god awful wig. I'm, like, I'm, I'm with you. I am with you. I didn't pick up I I guess the ending, I don't pay any attention to hair. And it was my <laughs> I was watching it and my wife came downstairs and she looked at it and she goes, What are you watching? And I said, Oh, that's called Malignant's horror movie. And she goes, That's a terrible wig. <laughs> and, I mean, she just like right off the bat, that's a horrible wig. Yeah, and, then that's and, all you look at the whole movie. It's like, thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like watching Halloween two after you know that Jamie Lee is wearing that terrible wig. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, I guess the ending, I was lucky. It just kind of deflated it for me. I'm not saying it's bad. I, I do like the movie. I recommend people see it. Um, I just, I didn't think it was great. It's just kind of like, I remember taking my younger sister to see the usual suspects and mm -hmm. about halfway through, she looked over and said, it's that guy. And I'm like, Oh, oh wow. I kind of like this at all. <laughs> you know? and it was that oh, kind of thing. I didn't me. even, I didn't catch on to that till the limp in the very last five seconds. The, yeah, you know, I, kid, like I'm blind to these things, or maybe I just go into them thinking I just want to have fun. I don't want to think too hard about it. I'll I'll figure it out eventually. They'll tell us. Yeah, so. and it, typically I try to go that way into thrillers and horror movies, but at times, you know, it's just sometimes I can do it, sometimes I can't. If I've got a big tub of popcorn and I'm in a theater, and then I can do it. Otherwise, I can't. But Jackson, you liked Malignant too, right? Yeah, I loved I loved Malignant. I mean, I, I I wouldn't say it was an objectively a good movie, but it was fun. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with it, and uh, I did a review of it on Patreon. But um, yeah, I yeah I it it definitely has a jello feel. I mean, the the black gloves alone are enough to you know right. place it firmly in that genre. But then he's got the like weird murder device. It's like a trophy that's been carved into a knife. Right. Um. So that's that's. Very jello well, as well. Hey, Gil Man Joel would be screaming right now, hey, if you can turn a glass unicorn into a murder weapon for right. Black Christmas, that you can. Uh -huh. you know. Hey, <laughs> so, one, of the best, one of the best movies ever made by Bob Clark. I can't disagree with Gil Man Joel at all. I can't either. So, all right. Next category best screenplay in a horror feature 2021. We have Nia DaCosta, Jordan Peele with Rosenfield, or I'm sorry, Win Rosenfield for Candyman. We have Prano Bailey Bond and Anthony Fletcher for Censor. Christy Wilson Cairns and Edgar Wright, Last Night in Soho. John Krasinski, A Quiet Place Part Two. And Alan McElroy for Wrong Turn. And the winner is Christy Wilson Cairns and Edgar Wright for Last Night in Soho. Brian, what do you think, buddy? I mean, it, it was brilliant, a yeah. brilliant, a brilliant screenplay, a brilliant movie all around. I mean, I didn't vote for it. I was the lone vote on wrong turn, <laughs> yeah. but the reason I voted wrong turn was I think it got a lot of hate because of the title. They pretty much cash grabbed the title and made a movie, nothing like the, you know, the 10 million wrong turns in the previous series. Right. But, um, I, I like where wrong turn movie went. I thought it was fantastic, but no complaints on last night in Soho. I mean, 
this movie was incredible. I loved it from the minute, you know, I bought it right when it came out and mm. I watched it a couple times and just a great movie. No complaints here on that one. And a gutsy ending, right? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I love that ending, but Jackson, your thoughts on the screen, but Candyman, we should say came in second, yes, but still last night in Soho had a strong showing. What do you say? Uh, I can't I can't argue, you know, win number two for last night in Soho. And I think it's deserved. This is another one where it's like malignant, where maybe if you had guessed the the twist of last night in Soho, it wouldn't be as mm -hmm. effective. Uh, but there are kind of two twists. So even if you guess the first one, there's still something for you on your first watch. And then I think on rewatch, you know, it's it's just as strong. Um, yeah, I can't can't argue with I you know what Brian was saying about wrong turn. I actually really appreciated that that it was different than the this this things that came prior in the series and mm -hmm. frankly it needed to be because those last couple wrong turn movies what I I saw of them were just frankly awful. Um mm -hmm. so uh we they deviated a lot in quality from the original. So yeah. um I'm glad that they kind of took it in a different direction to make us you know forget you know about those last couple but um quiet place part two i really enjoyed it um i don't know if it would get my vote for best screenplay um but uh censor i think was one that had a really interesting screenplay i mm -hmm. i was really i was hooked for the first two acts and i think the third act kind of dropped the ball a little bit and it's execution That's... i like the ideas of it but i think it dropped the ball in the execution a little bit um but Candyman, yeah great script um i know i i had some problems with the dialogue here and there but the structure was solid um, I think the characters were interesting and, uh, and yeah, really gut wrenching, uh, ending. So that, that definitely deserves to be second place. I would have liked to see a little bit of love for censor. I'm surprised that nobody yeah. voted for that. I think uh, it's like you said, Jackson, you hit the nail on the head. The first two thirds of the movie were fascinating. I mean, it had me gripped. I was more yeah. in the, the mystery of the sister. And I thought you kind of like an eight millimeter type movie with Nick Cage where she uncovers everything. Yeah. And it was more of a mystery, but then it got weird and just totally different than the first two acts. So I see where people didn't care for the ending because I didn't really either myself, but still, uh, it, does, me it, three, does, yeah. it yeah. doesn't negate the fact that that first two thirds of the movie was incredible. Yeah. What a great idea, a censor for the video nasties in the eighties. What a fantastic plot to build your movie around. I wouldn't mind seeing more movies kind of about that time period. So it really, had potential let's say that i agree great premise and it, it's tough i mean jackson you just got you, you just finished a screenwriting you know course in film school it's tough to have three solid acts to be fair yeah yeah i mean it's usually when somebody has an idea for a movie or a pitch it comes from one of those three acts so whatever you're pitching like where, whatever wherever the the high concept is coming from that's going to be the strongest act right so i think that the the concept for censor was the setting imagine there's this character in this time in the setting this is her job uh and then there's this mystery that was the the pitch so those are the strongest parts of the movie um, but, uh, you know, where do you go from there? You have to actually figure out what she's figuring out. So, um, that's, that's where the, the problems come in. So yeah, it, it is really tough to live up to your pitch. Cause if you've got a good pitch, it's got to really, uh, it's got to really deliver. So, I so think being, a, so being taking that class, Jackson, if you were to have a, if you know, one of the acts is going to be, uh, you know, your kind of your worst act of the movie, shouldn't it be the second rather than the third? Because you want somebody to come in on a high and leave on yeah. a high. 
So that's where they dropped the ball then, I guess, was, you know, the third act was the lesser of the three, unfortunately. I still like the movie a lot, though. Mm -hmm. I don't judge a movie on their on the ending. I judge it by the whole movie, and I think it was a good movie still. Right. I agree. And yeah, that's that is that is tricky. I mean, like you definitely should, you know, uh, start with your second best and end with your best and then have the weakest in the middle, Um, because I think honestly, that's how wrong turn went. I think the second act was the slowest out of all of them. Um, and then, then it kind of picked up again, but you know, the way I, if I, you know, I want to throw in my unexperienced, my inexperienced two cents here, I think maybe censor a, a cool way they could have done it is you start off with that intrigue in the first act. And then the second act, maybe she discovers something and it gets a little bit more action packed and psychedelic like it does. And then maybe she's just back to square one in the third act. You know what I mean? She's back to her life. What has she discovered? You know what I mean? She's back the way she was in the first act, but it's something different. You know, that kind of thing. Maybe return to form. And uh, because I think it tried to do too much too quickly, like try to change the format. Literally, they changed the aspect ratio of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I can see that they yeah keep it based in reality because that was good enough for that movie. Yeah, yeah, great points, guys. So, Jackson, our next category. Do you have the nominees for best supporting actress in a horror feature twenty twenty one? Yes, the nominees are Jennifer Ale from Saint Maud, Diana Rigg for Last Night in Soho, Millicent Simmons for A Quiet Place Part Two, Ingrid Sophie Schramm. For my heart can't beat unless you tell it to. Wow, that's a that's a mouthful of a movie title. <laughs> and Anya Taylor Joy in Last Night in Soho, and the winner is Millicent Simmons for A Quiet Place Part Two. Wow, well deserved, don't you think, Brian? Um, sorry, I should research this. Is that the daughter, the yes, deaf daughter? That okay. is the she is yeah. actually deaf in real life, and yes. The, oh, really? I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, then that even bumps up even more for me. I actually voted for Diana Rigg, but I have no complaints with voting for her. She was fantastic in the movie, and knowing that now that she actually is deaf, I mean, all props to her. She should have got my vote. Well, but Diana Rigg is amazing in Last Night, so and her yeah, last role. That's kind of why I voted for her, kind of like, you know, go out with a bang. It's your last role. Sure. Like, I, I loved her in that movie. Oh, I did too. I mean, and it was tough because this was a tough one. It'll be even tougher when we get to best actresses because, man, the, the actresses brought it this year. And mm-hmm. Jackson and I were going back and forth about the nominees. It was like, we're going to have a hard time putting together the actors, but the actresses, the hard time will be lim- eliminating who, you know, is in the categories because there's so many. And Diana Rigg is amazing. Uh, Millicent is amazing. Anya Taylor-Joy in Last Night in Soho I thought was amazing. Yep. And they stole votes from each other. Oh, yeah. Adding them up, it still would have fallen a little short of Melissa Simmons, but um, still, Diana Rigg and Anna Taylor-Joy were amazing. Yeah. Jackson, what do you say? I agree. Well, here's uh, my vote. I'm the only vote for Jennifer Ale for uh, St. Maud. I loved her. She was Amanda in the movie in St. Maud. Just absolutely fantastic. I thought she stole every scene she was in. Um, I mean, just her interactions with Maud, I thought were so good and everything her character is going through. I mean, she's this dancer and she was a very physical person and now cancer's taken that away from her and, and like seeing how that affects her and Maud comes in sort of as this ray of hope, but then there's a double side to her. So right. I love Jennifer Ailes performance. Um, but yeah, Millicent Simmons has been great. She impressed me, you know, back when the first one came out. 
um, with a, a really fantastic performance. Um, and I think she gets more, you know, she's she's almost the main character of, of uh, A Quiet Place Part uh, 2. You know, her, her interactions with uh, Killian Murphy are fantastic. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, like Brian said, I think Anya Taylor Joy and Diana Rigg stole you know each other's votes. I think if there's just one in this category, uh, that you know maybe that would have sent it over the edge. But uh, Diana Rigg, of course, a, a a great final performance, right? Um, yeah, she did a great job playing a really you know sweet and caring character. But there then there's something else to her character, and she just plays mm-hmm. it all so amazingly. I, I was really impressed with with her. Um, but, uh, and yeah, of course, Anya Taylor-Joy is fantastic. She's kind of the, the indie horror darling. Um, still haven't seen The Norseman. Oh, uh, you haven't? I'm surprised, because you're not. a huge Robert Eggers fan. Huge Eggers fan, yeah. Just to just, I guess it just slipped on by me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think she did a great job. But Millicent Simmons probably deserved, um, I mean, that train scene, uh, was just horrifying. She does so much great acting just with her face. So yeah. um, can't argue with that. And let's just throw in, let's just mention real fast the um, actress from My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. Yeah. I really liked that movie. I did too. I like movies that are unsettling like this. Yep. The family dynamics. She was great in it. I actually thought the uh, the guy was a little better than her. But she was still fine. I mean, this was a great movie, and I think a lot of people may have skipped it because it didn't I look like it has a lot of horror. It has a long name that kind of sounds weird. But anybody that – I think it's on Peacock now. That's where I saw it. Anybody mm-hmm. that hasn't seen it, run out and watch it. It's it's not going to blow you away, but it's worth a watch, especially if you it, want a, an unsettling movie. It is solid. I agree with you. It is very, very solid. And it did pop up on a number of lists. That's where it came from. And when I saw it pop up on a number of lists, and I saw it on Rotten Tomato, I went and watched. I was like, and I'm with you, Brian. It was like, it didn't blow me away, but I was like, man, that's just a solid movie. It's just a Uh solid film from beginning to end. So, yeah, I agree with you. So, Brian, why don't you take Best Supporting Actor in a Horror Feature? All right. Best Supporting Actor from last year. We have Roman Griffin Davis from Silent Night. Vincent Lindong from Titan, or Titane, however you want to say it. Bill Sage from Wrong Turn. Matthias Swaghofer from Army of the Dead. And then Jeremy Thomas from Antlers. And drum roll, the winner goes to, I'm so happy about this, Vincent Lindong from Titan. Wow, you- was he... <laughs> Was he the highlight of this movie for me in a movie that was so weird? And so I don't even know what to think that the second half went. this movie went from violence to nonviolence. But then the second half, he made this movie. He stole the show for me. And surprisingly, I liked the second half better. And there's no violence. And I didn't care because his dance scene with the, uh, you know, from that Tarantino <laughs> yeah. song something yep. about me. I don't remember the song, but. Um, his dance scene, just his weirdness. I mean, this guy, I didn't even know what to think of him when I watched this movie the first time. I'm like, is this guy a serial killer? Is he just a very lonely right. person wanting to adopt somebody? I mean, I didn't know what to think. And boy, he was fantastic. And I'm so happy Vincent Lindon won this. Wow. I'll tell you, and, and Jackson, and I talked about this a lot. And Jackson, I don't know if your opinion has changed. You know, I watched Titan. And I said this in my letterbox review. 
it is a very, very well-made movie. I cannot argue with anybody who says Titanium is, is it's well-acted, it's well-shot, it, it, it's well-made. But it's just not my cup of tea. <laughs> it just didn't. It didn't appeal to me. As it's one of those movies. I'll talk about another one later before we sign off. That was like, oh, and and you guys will get this. The butcher Bill Van Vagel will love this movie. <laughs> you know, because he loves extreme movies. He's gonna yeah. love this. It wasn't my cup of tea, but I can't argue with you. He's great in it. My vote was Bill Sage from Wrong Turn. Who I just thought he was you know, incredible in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 I can't argue with the voters. Jackson, what about you? Yeah, I'm actually, I agree with this one. I mean, I, I loved, I loved uh wrong turn. I love Bill Sage in wrong turn. I think especially, you know, we've been talking about that, that final scene of wrong turn, just oh. so terrifying and then gratifying. And it's just a mix of emotions and he's great all throughout just very intimidating mm-hmm. i mean the first time we see him it's just like a jaw drop moment it's like vader when we first see darth vader right in the first star wars movie hmm. it's like wow like the, you know there's the guy um but uh but yeah vincent lindon and titan titan you know whatever whatever right. it is. i i you know i messaged you uh when i first tried to watch it i tried to watch it and uh really was not into it and then i um i came back around to it i watched it again and i actually enjoyed it for the most part um but um yeah i think he he's definitely the standout of the movie um just a, a great character um and he's i he's sort of you know the he's the only uh, like emotional good emotionally uh, moral character i guess you could say the only moral character we can gravitate towards um because our protagonist is not that <laughs> so um, he's kind of the moral backbone of the movie, and uh, and he does a great job. I mean, just very sympathetic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know, this is a everyone this is in a, the movie does, it gives a great performance. Yeah, they're all fantastic, but yeah. I think everybody naturally gravitates towards him because he's such a calming presence. Um, but uh, this is actually a category I haven't seen three of the movies. I haven't seen Antlers. I never finished Army of the Dead, uh, and I haven't seen Silent Night. So it was between wrong Our, turn. Army and... of the Army of the Dead is a commitment. That's a long movie. Yeah. And, uh, to me, uh, Army of Dark, uh, Army of the Dead was a little bit of a letdown because it was more of an action movie. I was really I loved Zack Zack Snyder's um, Dawn of the Dead remake, two thousand three yes. or whatever. That was fantastic. It, it, one of the best remakes, in my opinion, ever. I mean, how do you top nineteen seventy eight's Dawn of the Dead? I mean, I, that I was agree it. with you. I remember going to see Dawn of the Dead in theaters. Me too. I was yeah. studying for I was studying for the bar. I didn't have time. I was like, I, I, I my brain is fried. I got to go. Jackson is one years old. I'm just like, you know, I'm going to go see this thing. I'm sure it's going to be crap, but I just need an excuse to eat a bunch of popcorn and candy and drink a bunch of Diet Coke and and just and I I remember being blown away by it. And I, so mm-hmm. I'm a Zack Snyder fan. I can do without. You know, lately all the the you know sixty minutes of slow motion and all that kind of stuff. But other than that, I, I'm a fan of his. But man, I yeah, I'm with you. I I liked it. I didn't love it. Yeah, I mean, I oh, it was a great movie. It's just I think I went into it thinking, oh boy, Dawn of the Dead Part Two, and then we right. got more of like a heist action movie type thing. But uh, Antlers, man, that movie blew me away. I really liked that movie. 
you know what my cinematography. problem was is I and I've heard I think it was Jay of the Dead others go I know it was Dave Doctor Shock Becker. I had such high expectations. It was a bit of a letdown, but in retrospect, it's still a solid movie. Yeah, it's because it was held back for like a year because of COVID. Yep. So everybody just wait. Kind of like the new Top Gun movie. People are like, we're tired of waiting. You know, they held yeah. it back for so long. Even though I heard that one was good, but then we'll move up to Silent Night, and it got no votes. But I I really like Silent Night. I think that was a fun one. You know, yep. it it only teeters on horror in my opinion, but. I mean, it's a great premise for a movie. I love the family dynamic. There could have been several actors put in this category for voting, but I didn't expect it to get any votes, but that was still a good movie to me. I mean, I had no expectations. I flipped it on one day, and I'm like, hmm, that was worth a watch, you know? But, yeah, Bill Sage and Wrong Turn, deservingly uh, right up there, but Vincent Lindon had to steal the show, just like he did in the movie. Yep, can't argue with that. So let's move on um, to our next category. And man, was this one tough. Um, uh, Jackson and I talked, you and I messaged a lot about this, right, Jackson? About this next category. Um, yeah. Best tough lead call. actress in a horror feature. This one was just getting the nominees down was a tough call. And so we have uh, Naeem Alger for Censor. We have Morphide Clark for St. Maud. We have Barbara Crampton, who never ages, in Jacob's Wife. We have Rebecca Hall in The Night House. And we have Thomason McKenzie for Last Night in Soho. And folks, I just refreshed. We have a tie. Uh, the first tie since we've been doing this, the two winners are... Rebecca Hall in the Night House and Thomas and McKenzie in Last Night in Soho. Brian, what do you think, buddy? Well, I'm going to echo to our Patreon <clears throat> comments here. And Billy D made a great point that McKenzie was, I mean, don't get me wrong, she's fantastic in Last Night in Soho. But she also had Anna Taylor Joy. And like already won a lot of awards for this movie, so it's going to be right. good. But Rebecca Hall alone carried this entire movie on her own, and that's what that's why Rebecca Hall got my vote. This movie was basically her; it was just her, and she did such a fantastic job. So I, I gave my vote to Rebecca Hall. But hey, both now I did too. Both ties are worth it. So to me, so. Uh, but let me let me quickly let me quickly yeah, shout out Saint Saint Maud that didn't get a vote. Yeah, I absolutely love Saint Maud. This was Jay the Dead's number one movie from last year. Yep, and it 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 it's was somewhere in my movie. It is. It was somewhere in my top ten, but I think it was lower. But the more I think of it, the more this movie is incredible. This yeah. is such a journey with uh, what's her name? More I, I can't pronounce it. Clark and. Man, she was good in it. We all talk about that final three seconds. Wow. Crazy. And it's what a fantastic movie St. Maud was. And, of course, Barbara Crampton. She can't ever go wrong with her. Jacob's Wife was a good movie. And, and, and I think it's one of her best performances since probably you're next. Or, you know, I mean, she's she's fantastic in it. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it, there's a bit of comedy horror in it and all that kind of stuff. But, man, she's great in it. And I'm surprised Larry Fassender, I, I don't know, maybe it's coming up in a second, or, yep. or maybe we pass it, but coming up yeah, he, yep. yeah, he was great in it, so I mean, this had some great acting in Jacob's Wife, 
it only got one vote, but hey, at least it got a vote. All props to Barbara Crampton. Yeah, but I, I agree with you. I voted for Rebecca Hall. Jackson, I'm going to put you right there under the spotlight. Who did you vote for? I went Rebecca Hall as well. I mean, oh, I, there we go. We oh, both we agreed. Wow. Yeah, we we watched this together, Dad, and I think we both agreed after it. We had to take some time to process it. And I've talked with Trey Whetstone about this. It's like it's one of those movies where like the ending is like you know it, it really depends on who you are if you like it or or not. I I liked the end of the movie, but regardless of what you think of the screenplay and the structure, Rebecca Hall carried this entire movie. I mean, she was just fantastic. Um, you know, she had one, basically one other co-star and he's only in like three scenes. So it's pretty much just her talking to her house essentially, uh, or what seems like it. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's fantastic. Thomas and McKenzie, uh, also, I think if, if, if the, the three hosts of this, uh, this podcast, you know, of this episode didn't vote for Rebecca Hall, she would have won it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, uh, she did a great job, but like you said, yeah, definitely had a, a good support system, uh, with the director and this, uh, uh, great cast all around her. But Barbara Crampton is another one I have to agree with. I thought she was fantastic. Jacob's wife is one that I warmed up to. I think you remember dad. We watched this another one we watched mm -hmm. together. You I were so, so on it after, right after we turned it off. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, first act, I, I was kind of, uh, you know, I was not enjoying myself. And then I think as it went on and the more, you know, the comedy aspects came into it, uh, I started to enjoy myself more. And I think Barbara Crampton does a great job. Um, but Morphid Clark and, and St. Maud, you know, I, I talked about Jennifer Ale earlier, but Morphid Clark does a great job with Maud, you know, just really, it's, a, it's one of those films. It's like a downward spiral type movie. Um, and even though she's not really all there at the beginning, um, it's, it's still fascinating to see her performance just like really spiral. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, Nia Malgar and, and Censor did a great job as well. So, um, and, and I mean, we talked earlier about Censor. Those first two acts are so fascinating. I think she's the reason, you know, she really grounds us in that, that eighties, uh, you know, British, sort of really kind of depressing life it seems that she's got right. um and uh yeah she really drew me in there but i can't disagree with this a tie which is you know like you said the first time this has ever happened might not be the last but um yeah definitely definitely a tough call between those two yeah so let's jump to our next category and jackson this is yours this was tougher to come up with the five than it yeah. was to eliminate, you know, actresses from the five. And by the way, we did have this discussion in the future. I know that Fangoria did this where they just do best lead and best supporting. They don't separate by gender. Maybe we will do that in the future, but we decided to kind of stick with the tradition of the Oscars and that's where we went. But an HMP used to do the same thing. But let's talk about best leading actor in a horror feature. Yeah, best leading actor in horror features. The nominees are, and this is like you said, this is a, this is a, uh, a. I think we got we got some good ones though. This is yeah, we were kind of we were talking down the leading actors, but looking at this list, wow, we got Lonnie Chavis for the Boy Behind the Door, Larry Fessenden for Jacob's Wife, Yaya Abdul Mateen II for Candyman, Killian Murphy for A Quiet Place Part Two, and Chris Sheffield for Block Island Sound, and the winner is. Maybe you guessed it. Yaya Abdul-Mateen II for Candyman. Yeah, he won the Fangoria Chainsaw Award, too. Yep. He just runs away with this. Brian, what are your thoughts, buddy? 
That was my vote, and I'm sticking with it. He was fantastic in this movie. I actually, I actually like the whole cast in this movie. I like his wife. I like her brother. I like her brother's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't like the people that uh, got killed, so I was fine with that. And so, <laughs> I mean, Candyman was amazing, and he led the way and did a great, great job of it. Yeah, I can't argue at all. I thought he was incredible. Um, I think he's got a really bright future. I know he's already been in some big movies. He was an Aquaman, you know, all that kind of stuff. So the guy is on track, but he's really, really talented. And I, I remember, Jackson, you and I had this conversation after you watched Candyman. And initially, you you had to process it. This is what you do. This is You need to understand Jackson. It's like Jackson will watch a movie, but then you can't really fairly ask him about a movie till like maybe, what, a week afterward? Yeah, pretty much. That's why, man, your Patreon review of Night of the Demons 1988, you should have gave it a week. You would have reviewed it much, much <laughs> okay. higher. Maybe I'll come that, back to it. I'll, I'll that's, do coming a, from, uh... that's coming from me and Pearl. We're mad about okay. that. Okay, that's <laughs> right. All right. Redux <laughs> review in the future for Night of the Demons. I'll make amends. But hey, maybe I'll maybe I'll like it less. Are you sure you want to open the door up to uh, that? Uh, maybe that? Yeah, maybe maybe that's true. And that, Jackson, that, you you hung out with Linnea quickly. Are you really gonna do that to her? No, I, I'm not doing it to Linnea. I'm doing it. I'm doing it to Night of the Demons. And, and I mean, that's six out of ten. That's a positive rating. You you want to open the door? Maybe I'll get more bored this time around. And I know. I think it's a five point five. Movie has just so much nostalgia for me when I sure. rented it as a kid, and so that, that plays into it so much for me. So I could see why you reviewed it like you did. Had I watched for the first time now, I've been like, hmm, okay, that and it has an, like it has an <laughs> and Brian, it's got an 80 sense of humor, right? Like the sour oh, balls, yeah. comment, right? Oh, god, it's got so much humor to this movie. I mean, Stooge's comical relief times right. 10, he's amazing. I mean, but I'm getting off track here, I just had to shout that out. That's all right. Yeah, I, I, you know, yeah, Jackson, though, you were right. They, these are strong performances. I mean, um, I loved Lonnie Chavis. I didn't vote for him, but he did get a vote in The Boy Behind the Door. I thought The Boy Behind the Door was, and I can't remember if it was Bloody Disgusting or Dread Central. One of them agreed with me. You know, it's got problems, but I think it's one of the most suspenseful movies of the year. And that young man does a great job. Yeah, he yeah, definitely. Been. I mean, the the two child actors in that movie were both fantastic, um, and you know the way that they they come together in the in the final act was great. But um, I'm surprised Larry Fessenden didn't didn't get more love. Man, he was so good in that movie. I actually liked him. Better. I liked him better than Barbara Crampton. I mean, I thought he was my wow. favorite character because he made a big he made a big 180 in that movie. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. he went from the uptight guy that you know. To a vampire on. slayer, to the fearless yeah. vampire slayer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's also because you know, I mean, uh, Brian. I mean, typically Larry Fessenden, when he's in movies, is is given like bit roles or small roles, like in The Ranger and that kind of stuff. He's given a major role here, and he pulls it off. Absolutely, he was fantastic. And don't look at his uh, I am or his uh, Google photo because he looks like Jack Nicholson for The Shining, like he's crazy. But man, he nailed it in this role. I mean, I like, I love Larry Fassender. I mean, everything he does, I gravitate towards. And if he's in a movie, I got to watch it. I mean, he's just a great actor. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. So, Jackson, anything you want to add in that before we move on to our next category? Just that I, you know, I'm I'm discovering even now that there are still 2021 movies I need to see. 
because Block Island Sound is one that I haven't thought about since I put up the poll for it. Um, so definitely need to watch Block Island Sound and The Last Matinee. This is what this is reminding me. Oh, uh, you definitely need to see The Last Matinee. Now, Block Island Sound is a good movie. I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but The Last Matinee, even if you don't think it's a, it's a well-made movie, is so much fun. Mm. Mm-hmm. So... All right, let's talk about the best director of a horror feature 2021. And one one of these days, it'll be Jackson Rawlings. Here we go. Nominees are Nia DaCosta, Candyman, Edgar Wright, Last Night in Soho, Julia Ducournau, and that is the correct pronunciation, um, Titan, John Krasinski, A Quiet Place Part Two, and James Wan, Malignant. Now... All of these got votes, and we have another tie. The tie is the winners are Nia DaCosta for Candyman and Edgar Wright for Last Night in Soho. Jackson, you're the future director. What do you think? I you, this is I can't say it was unexpected because I know that the the uh, love for these two movies is so high, and I think there's there's different things to consider with Nia DaCosta. Um, you know, she's a rookie filmmaker, but Candyman really like grabbed the pop culture. Um, so that's, you know, her flames kind of burning bright. And then Edgar Wright's, you know, I, it's weird to say veteran director cause he's only got like six movies, but right. he's, he's the veteran director here. He's well-loved. He's got a f- established fan base and he has for years. Um, so I'm not surprised by that. I'm on it. What I am surprised by is that Julia Ducono. Uh, didn't get more votes because um, from winning, you know, the Palm d'Or at Cannes uh, and then, you know, just kind of like all of film Twitter and film YouTube talking about Teton uh, for like three months. I'm surprised right. that uh, that she didn't get more love. And then another one that I'm surprised by, John Krasinski for A Quiet Place Part Two. He's everybody loves John Krasinski. He's like, uh, right. you know, he's in every reaction gif ever. Um well, and then James, jammed. yeah, right. And then James Wan. Uh, that's another one that uh, I'm surprised that uh, that wasn't even. And the, the, I mean, Nia DaCosta and Edgar Wright kind of stole it, um, and they they both tied there. So I'm I'm surprised, but uh, yeah, definitely I voted for Edgar Wright um, because I'm I'm an Edgar Wright fanboy. I, I'm not ashamed to admit it. He's made a couple of my favorite movies of all time, um, but Nia DaCosta definitely a strong uh, a strong pick. And you can hear us talk about one of your favorite Edgar Wright movies, though our discussion is all over the place over at Real Talk. Right? Yeah, that was that was certainly an event. That was uh, <laughs> what was that like three hours long? Yeah, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah, that went on forever. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but yeah, I know you're a big Edgar Wright fan. I can't fault you. I'm a big Edgar Wright fan. But man, Nia DaCosta, you know, her first major studio film. She nailed it. Absolutely nailed it, in my opinion. I know, Brian, you just recently in the last, what, month or so, last couple of weeks, saw Candyman, and you were impressed as well. But say whatever uh-huh. you want. But- yeah, that was the one movie that eluded me from last year for so long. Mm-hmm. And I was about to pull the trigger on the rental. And to my surprise, it came free on Prime last week. Right. So I was like, wow, perfect timing, because I was one, I've been dying to see this movie. And Candyman got my vote, Nia DaCosta, because... <clears throat> that movie blew me away. To yeah. me, it wasn't a reboot. To me, it was a sequel movie because yeah. it, it played on the uh, the uh, legend or whatever you want to call it of the first one. And 
I, I just absolutely loved Candyman so much. Edgar Wright, he's a genius. I mean, yep. you know, Shaun of the Dead is freaking amazing yep. to me. And Titane and Quiet Place, I mean, I they're they're lowers as far as I'm concerned. I think mm-hmm. the two people that tied deserve to be tied. But James Wan is what surprised me because, you know, he's like the Wes Craven of nowadays. He started several oh. franchises. Yeah, you know, good point. When I'm looking at it from that point of view, because you have Craven starting the giant, you know, Elm Street franchise and the giant Scream franchise. But then you got James Wan, who, while he only directed maybe the first, you know, of each of these, he he created Saw, The Conjuring, and I think even Insidious. Yep. And all these movies have spawned so many sequels to them. And then he went out on a limb and just directed a crazy movie in uh malignant <laughs> just so out of his comfort place in my opinion and i think he nailed it with that movie i loved malignant so but you know it is what it is i i did end up voting for nia da costa because i mean how many times does a first time director do this usually yeah. first first time you know you, you might have an ari, ari aster with hereditary or robert eggers with you know uh the witch right. so it's a very few or jordan peele with get out Right. Very few, very few times as a director on their first film create such a giant hit that they'll, they'll be watched and talked about for years and years afterwards. And that's what Nia DaCosta did for me, and that's why she got my vote. Oh, me as well. I, I just thought that the visuals in it, and this is because, Jackson, when you first saw Candyman, you liked, you really liked it, but you weren't as high as I was, but... You and I did agree. I mean, what she did, especially as a very young director, like she's got some independent shorts and that kind of stuff. I think she's done some music videos, but she's never done a big studio movie. And for her to step in and and do this is pretty impressive. Yeah, I agree. And you can see that music video directing come through. I mean, this uh, Candyman is divided up into these like visual sequences. You know what I mean? Like set pieces almost. Um, and you can definitely see that uh, working through. And yeah, definitely you get that feel that it's an indie director coming to a big budget movie. Um, I, so yeah, that's I always love that. Um, whenever you see somebody, I mean, like say what you will about uh, about uh, Lights Out. You remember Lights Out about the shadow? Yeah, yeah. That came out. Say what you will about that. That was a that was a guy who came, you know, he just started making Hollywood movies because he made a short on YouTube and then they noticed that and you know, brought him up. And then he did Shazam. He did that superhero movie. So mm-hmm. um, now it's more than ever. It's becoming more of a, a gateway to Hollywood, just, you know, making short films. So I'm glad that somebody noticed her uh, mm-hmm. and Jordan Peele obviously saw that talent in her and gave her the reins to Candyman. Um yeah, so definitely, definitely impressed by that. Um, but uh, yeah, and like I said, of course, Edgar Wright's going to be right up there because he's got such a mastery of the craft at this point. Um, but yeah, great, great list. Yep. All right. So, Brian, you are a uh, Patreon supporter. You are an awesome podcaster. You're an awesome guy. You have the honor. Best horror picture of 2021. Go for it, sir. Well, thank you very much, Matt, for that introduction. And I just wanted to mention on this show that even though we all disagree, I won't come on stage and slap anybody on this episode. <laughs> That's not going to happen. So even if we disagree on this, you may be verbally assaulted. But here we go. Best horror picture of 2021. 
we have several nominees here. Last Night in Soho, A Quiet Place Part 2, The Boy Behind the Door, Fear Street 1994, Fear Street 1978, and Fear Street 1666, Candyman, Malignant, Halloween Kills, and The Night House. And the winner goes to Malignant by one vote, by a hair wow. over Candyman. Oh, wow. All right, Jackson, what do you think? Wild. I think it's wild that Malignant won Best Picture this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 insane. Um, well, I you know I there there I guess we were just talking about James Wan not getting enough love, and then here we go, Best mm-hmm. Picture going to Malignant, and I can see why. It's it, it's a really really fun movie. It kind of captured the moment for a while. Was all anybody talked about? I have to admit, when I first watched it, I was thinking about it a lot. It, it was kind of stuck in my head. Um, so I, I understand. I mean, it is definitely, I would say out of all of these, it's the weirdest, maybe you could argue the most interesting movie on this list, the most original. Um, I would argue that, uh, Malignant, you know, because of its influences, its clear influences from, you know, genre movies, it's maybe not the most original, but, um, it definitely feels like that upon a first watch. Um, I, I, my, my vote will surprise no one. I went with last night in Soho. Right. Um, but and I went uh, with Candyman. Yeah. That to no one's surprise. Um, but I'm glad that the night house was in there, uh, that Halloween kills was in there. Obviously that was going to get some love. I, 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 uh, I'm thinking that probably Pearl and Greg went, went for Halloween kills. <laughs> yeah. Just nope, a sneaking nope. suspicion. I, I was the second vote. I had Halloween kills. Oh, wow. So wow. It was me and either Greg or Pearl, one of the two. You know, yeah. and I last night in Soho and Candyman fell one vote short of tying Malignant. I almost thought it because last night in Soho is my number two horror movie of last year. Yeah. And I almost went for that just to get a tie going, but I had to go with my heart. And while I know last night in Soho, Candyman, these are better made movies. I'm gonna I'll totally admit that. Malignant has a crazy original plot, but Halloween kills just stole my heart last year. The more I watched it, the more I fell in love with this movie. But uh, it's the middle of a trilogy, so wait till next year's Oscars. Halloween right. ends may sweep everything. Who knows? <laughs> right. You're but right. Can't, go, can't, can't go wrong with Malignant, though. I mean, I, I love that movie. It was great. So I'm not I'm not sad at all that that one. It, it is fun. I can't I can't argue with fun. I'm not going to be anti-fun, and Malignant is fun. So yes, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so lots of love, though, in this year for Last Night in Soho and Jackson. You know, as much as I'm a Jordan Peele fanboy, I know that, I don't know, who's it between? Is it Robert Eggers or Edgar Wright? Who do you love more? Um, That's tough. I think Edgar Wright probably, you know, he's got the body of work. He's got that um, on Eggers. You know, I haven't seen The Northman. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's a tough call. Um, I think what what'll really what's real you know the obviously the the three biggest contenders in in the horror community right now are Peel, Aster, and Eggers. I mean they've right. all had movies. Um, I know Aster is working on what's it called Disappointment Boulevard, something like that. Yeah, that sounds more like a thriller. And sure. Eggers, he teased movie. it. Yeah, he teased yeah. it as a four-hour movie. So can't wait for that one. Wow. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I can take four hours of Aster. That might be a little too much. 
but uh, but Peel with Nope. Every time I see that trailer, I get more and more excited for Nope. Oh, uh, yeah. And then obviously the Northmen came out uh, this year from Eggers, so they're really contending. I mean, this is like the big three really coming at each other. And then and then Edgar Wright is off. You know, he's he's kind of t- he's one of my favorite directors, but he's not a horror director. I would say he did Shaun of the Dead. And then there was a while, and then he did uh, Last Night in Soho, and then he did a Sparks documentary. So I wouldn't say he's a horror filmmaker, but well, he's definitely... there are some horror elements even in Hot Fuzz, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely, and and um, uh, At World's End, you know, obviously. Yeah. Um, with the alien invasion aspect of that, that's pretty horrifying. But um, and it's clear that he has a deep respect for uh, the horror genre. I mean, he was on um, Eli Roth's History of Horror. You know, and he can talk almost as much as Tarantino can about about horror movies. And in right. fact, if you have the Hot Fuzz, I have this Hot Fuzz um, collector's edition DVD, and on it there's a commentary by Tarantino and Wright, which is fantastic because all they do is talk about Italian oh, wow. cop movies. Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, my vote was for Last Night in Soho, but Malignant I think is honestly like if when I think about 2021 uh, horror. Malignant is probably uh, probably what I'm going to think of because it just it feels like that was all anybody talked about for a few months. Well, let me ask um, uh, before we wrap up, just thoughts on 2021 in general. I will say that I think we're in the golden age of horror growing up in the in the 80s. You know, we got a lot of uh, schlock. It was a lot of stuff that was a cash grab, all that kind of stuff, even though I may still love it. Uh, I mean, Jackson, you and I with Greg and Mortis covered the Prowler and Greg, yeah. you and I and Greg all agreed. It's not a good movie, but we love it anyway. Right. Um, and so we had that kind of stuff. But here lately, man, we've been getting like not only are we getting great art house films, we're still getting great kills like Think about the kills in Hereditary or Midsommar. You know, I mean, we're getting great stuff. And so, Brian, what did you think about 2021, you know, as a horror fan who's you've been through the 80s and all that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. What did you think of 2021 in general? I think 2021 was a great year. I think that I agree with you the last few years, just a quick 10 second history of horror 80s amazing you move into the early 90s it kind of dies off and then you get to the late 90s and you have scream that revitalizes everything then you go to the 2000s and you have all the remakes of the big 80s franchises and then you kind of hit a lull again in the you know late early 2010s there's some great ones but but then in these last three or four years i think horror's really taken off I agree with you. There's a lot of art, artsy movies like Robert Eggers movies, like mm-hmm. The Lighthouse, which I absolutely love. The Lighthouse, yeah. you know, movies like that. Which, hey, I don't care if I see A24 come on the screen, I'm gonna watch it. I know that I better set aside a couple hours and stay awake, but right. I'm gonna watch them, and I love them so much. So I really love where horror's gone, and 2021 is a perfect example of the culmination of the last three or four years. So horror's kind of changed almost in a way to where. I agree with you on the kills. The MPAA finally has let – they don't care anymore. Right. You could do whatever you want in a horror movie, and, and I'm talking anything in a horror movie nowadays. And yeah. they will even show it on Netflix, for crying out loud. So you can watch anything. There's no editing. There's no nothing getting held back, which I love. I mean, heck, if anybody's seen The Sadness, wow. I mean, yes, I was just going to bring that up. I mean, I mean there that is like, movie is brutal. That movie would have been destroyed in 1986. 
yes. by the MPAA. And a triple X rating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's some there's some wild stuff in that movie, but 2021's been fantastic, and I can't wait to see what 2022 holds in the future because so far 2022 has been amazing, just as amazing as 2021. So I'm really happy to be a horror fan right now. I completely agree. Jackson, what about you? Yeah, well, I, I said something in our, our top 10 list at the end of the year that I kind of regret. Um, I said that 2021, yeah, it was a good year, but it was no 2018. You know, I was like, it's no, it was no 2018. But honestly, I'm looking back at my list and I'm, you know, I loved a lot of the movies that I watched in 2021. And so many of them I watched, you know, just toward the end of the year trying to make my list. And for watching so many movies in such a short period of time, these movies are really sticking with me. Um, and I think it was a great year. And, and just doing this uh, this uh, episode has, has reminded me of that. There's so many movies that are worthy of awards this year that weren't recognized. I mean, obviously, I think we were all surprised that Last Night in Soho didn't get anything at the Oscars. Right. Um, you know, just well, to, but neither anything. did Hereditary. I mean, I Tony Collette should have Tony Collette should have been nominated for that. I mean, oh, come on. Absolutely, Brian. You're absolutely right. How was she not nominated? Yeah, yeah. it's uh, that drives me crazy. But, you know, that's a story for another day. Jackson and I have talked about this, that most of the Oscar nominee, uh, most of the Oscar voters don't even watch the movies. So yeah. uh, anyway, you know, I want to ask you, Brian, while you're on, what are you looking forward to in 2022? Obviously, we're almost halfway there. I As mean, wow. Already, we, already we've got yeah. a Chainsaw movie, a Scream movie. Uh, we've got big franchise movies already. And then we have to look forward to Halloween Ends, the pinnacle of franchise movies. Right. But one that hasn't even really been talked about much is going to be Evil Dead Rises. Yes. Uh, this is coming out in just like a month from now or so by the time this episode airs on Man, I cannot wait to see what happens in this as they're moving the setting from a cabin in the woods to a high-rise apartment building, I guess. Yeah. So I can't wait to see what this holds. Yeah. And and there's so many more. I, I don't have a list in front of me, but, man, this is going to be a great year of horror. So next year's Horror Oscars, whoever you have on, I can't wait to hear what you guys nominate and pick because it might challenge this year, you know, even more. Who knows? I think you're right. I mean, when you look at Nope, when you look at Halloween in. Nope. Yeah, you got Ant Jordan Man Peele just movie came out, out this weekend, and that's getting good reviews. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. there's a lot of good stuff out there. So, there sure is. Oh yeah. Well, folks, man, we hope to get back on our regular schedule of at least two podcasts a month. We deeply appreciate all of our supporters at Patreon with all the money going to help an aspiring horror filmmaker get through film school, and that is Jackson. Um, you can become one for as little as $2.50 a month. Go to patreon.com and search for Father and Son Watch Horror. Um, you'll have access to bonus shows. Jackson does a lot of uh, video reviews. You can help us pick movies to cover. And, man, this year is ripe. I mean, Jackson, you and I were messaging all the, just the anniversaries this year, right? Yeah. I mean, John Carpenter's The Thing. The Entity's getting a lot of buzz. We may have to cover that soon. Mm -hmm. um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so mm -hmm. you can... Also, be on the show if you wish, and of course, you can vote on our next horror Oscar. So, you can find more from Jackson and I over at fatherandsonwatchhorror.com. Follow us on Twitter at fathersonhorror. We have a closed Facebook group. Just message me if you'd like to be included, and we'll accept the invitation. Uh, 
Brian, buddy, thank you for being with us. Thank you for supporting us. And where can people find you online? Well, first of all, I'm so honored to join your guys' podcast. <clears throat> I've been on about eight podcasts since the last couple months, and it all started with joining you guys with my bitter fight with Barely Ashley over the Rob Zombie <laughs> Halloween movies. It was awesome. And you've I, been I, awesome on all of I've listened to you on Phantom Galaxy. You've been <clears throat> awesome, bud. Oh, thank you very much. And I love Barely Ashley, but, man, that was a fun episode, which, by the way, we're recording today. It was her birthday yesterday, so happy birthday, Barely Ashley. And, um, you know, I love I love all the podcasts out there. You can find me in the Land of the Creeps group on Facebook and, you know, other podcasts like uh, Jay the Duds, New Horror Movies. Wow, what a great podcast. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Even though I mean, it's the latest one is nine and some hours. I'm only like halfway through it. And I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, listen, I listen to podcasts. I take an hour walk a day and I'm like, I'm still just a, like, I still am halfway through it after a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. He, his editing on there is just incredible. The effort he puts in knows no bounds. And then you have, you know, screaming through the ages, phantom galaxy, uh, headlong and a monster. There's so many, I shouldn't even start naming them, but I support all these groups and, Basically, that's where you can find me is in these Facebook groups, chatting about horror, loving horror movies. And I'm going to bring this back full circle real fast to Father and Son Love Horror Movie Podcast. There's a reason this is the only podcast I Patreon to. And I urge everybody out there, give your support. It's only five bucks a month. I give five bucks a month and you get to hear Jackson rant wow. on with this horrible uh, Night of the Demons uh uh, comment uh, review. Hey. <laughs> but you also get to hear a lot of other good stuff and vote on the horror Oscars for next year. So everybody join in. Father and Son has a special place in my heart. And I thank you guys so much for having me on the podcast. Oh, thank you, buddy. It's 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 a privilege. So and of course they yeah, you, you need to find him on Twitter, right? Oh yeah, I got I don't, I don't know. I, I, oh, I mean, no, they I mean, need to I'll, follow you, buddy. What, I don't know how many so, followers I have, but anybody that follows me, Horror Movie Fanboy on Twitter, I love interacting with anybody that wants to talk movies. I don't care the genre. It's mostly horror, but, heck, I'll talk action. I'll talk I'll talk love drama, you know, rom-coms. I don't care. I just love cinema in general, and uh, that's what I love about uh, Dave, Dr. Shop Bucker. He's the same way as me. Yeah. And uh, I actually recorded a podcast recently with him on um, – Yes, the infatuation about '80s comedies that'll come out soon. Check that out, and uh, I just love—I just love talking movies in general with anybody. Any movies, I'll talk all day long with you about it. We, it's my love. Dave and I messaged about once a week, and yeah, he was bragging on you. I can't wait to hear that, and I cannot. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. That's that's fantastic. Um, Jackson, what about you, buddy? Uh, well, first of all, I'm so flattered. I don't even know if I'll, I'll probably be able to stumble through this uh, through my plugs. But uh, thank you, Brian. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, you can look through uh, horror movie fanboys follow list uh, to find me on to find me on Twitter at Kane underscore hero twelve. That's K A I N E underscore hero twelve. You can find my YouTube and Letterbox from there. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you so much. This is, this has been so much fun. Say, thank you, dad, for having me on the father and so much horror podcast. <laughs> oh, it was your idea, buddy. Uh, but right, uh, well, let's, let's not point fingers here. <laughs> oh, okay. You say people are blaming, um, but, uh, no, I, I, Brian, you're amazing. Every time you're on, I just want to say, I remember 
the first time you were on and we released it, Jackson edited it, we put it up. And the first person who messaged me was Bill Van Vagel. And he was like, Brian's nervous. I wish I sounded <laughs> good when I was nervous. <laughs> oh, man, Bill, Bill's such a good friend of mine. Me and him chat all the time. Bill the Butcher, Van Vagel. He's, he's awesome. He's a great dude. Yeah. He, I, we chatted on Phantom Galaxy. Yeah, I, I heard that you were great on Phantom Galaxy. I listened to oh, it. Thank you. It fantastic. And and yeah, it was Bill and I have been messaging back and forth this week because we're trying to get him back on the show before he goes camping for a month. Yes, he so, does every year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right. I can be found on Twitter and Letterbox at, at Pastor Matt R. So, Jackson, say goodbye to the good people. Goodbye, and remember to start thinking about your 2022 nominations now, or you can do what the distinguished members of the Hollywood Academy do and see none of the movies throughout the year, then panic watch a few of the trailers before casting your vote. It's perfectly valid. That explains how the artist won the best pictures. Yeah. So anyway, so thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. And remember, the family that watches horror together slays together. Once again, I want to thank our Patreon supporters who make this podcast possible. Billy D, Greg Russell, Stefan Sitter, Raul Rivera, Ryan Bratton, Greg and Pearl from Land of the Creeps, James McFeeders, Ian West, Ashley Pinkard, Ian Urza, Brian Scott, Dan George, Dave Becker, Kevin Corpy, Jonathan Edge, Blake Pops, Joel Robertson, Amy Swan, Trey Whetstone, and Greg Bench. Thank you all so much. Thank you for the continued support. Once again, you make this podcast possible, and I'm eternally grateful. say anything just listen up you might just learn something look at this this is a cellular phone that I just got <laughs> cellular means that you don't have to have any wires to it so you can use it anywhere I was just about to test it so don't go away dial and send it <laughs> oh, uh, uh, oh okay <laughs> coming uh, Hoopers! It's me, Oscar. Just got a cellular phone and I wanted to see if it works. <laughs> well, I can hear you, Oscar, so I guess it does. 
Okay, bye-bye.